Welcome to The Complete Angler, your source of information on the outdoor industry in central Canada. With over 35 years in the field, host Don Lamont covers topics and issues with industry leaders and influencers to bring you up to speed on what's happening in the outdoor world. And now, here's your host, Don Lamont. Welcome to The Complete Angler Podcast. I'm your host, Don Lamont. Our guest this week is a hardcore angler and hunter, having guided for the last 25 years. He also owns one of the most successful waterfall outfitting businesses in North America. He's much more than that, though, having been president of Manitoba Lodge and Outfitters Association for 10 years, as well as sitting on the board of Travel Manitoba, just to mention two of many. He also understands the media, how to market, and get the message out to the public. He is innovative, always willing to think outside the box. He helped develop the Manitoba Master Hunting Program as well as the Manitoba Hunter and Angler Preservation Fund in 2010. Our guest today, Paul Conchat. Well, welcome to the show, Paul. It's uh, great to have you on. It's been a it's been a long haul this last year. Oh, it has been. It's an honor to be here, Don. It's fantastic. Really appreciate the opportunity. Now, you've been in the outdoor industry you know, at least 25 years. How did you get started? Um, a bit of a funny story. I was actually coyote hunting with my dad and he slipped a disc and it was like a minus 30 day and had to take him to a hospital in a small town in Southwestern Manitoba and ended up putting him on morphine or something like that to help for the pain. And in amongst what he was saying, he's like, oh, you should get your guy's license. And then it just, it hit me right then. And I think I was probably 18 years old. And uh, I applied, ended up applying at, I think every lodge there was in Manitoba and there was only one guy that gave me a shot and it was uh, Daryl Stanley of Stanley's Goose Camp. And I had no experience, just loved to hunt and fish, but it was tough to get in the industry. I think at that age kind of thing in those times, but that's how I got into it and then just started guiding and guiding and guiding more and more. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been, a, it was, those years were absolutely fantastic. The whole you know, following the seasons throughout Manitoba and like, you know, across Canada kind of thing, just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I've met your dad and he's, uh, he's quite a man. I mean, we were out uh, scouting uh, uh, Sandhill cranes with him when I was out at your place uh, yeah. five years ago or whatever it was. Speaking of which uh, you've built this fantastic facility out there. You run one of the most successful waterfall outfitting uh, businesses in North America if you go to uh, Paul's website, Birdtail, what is it? BirdtailWaterfall.com. BirdtailWaterfall.com, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'll see all the videos that he's made. Uh, Paul's a bit of a guru when it comes to uh, marketing. I've heard him talk at many of the different conferences we have about how, you know, how to get your product known on social media and uh, to the public. And before this crazy pandemic, uh, Paul hit, you had a, what, a two-year waiting list for your business? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been interesting, Don. Like it's, I guess I've always believed in, in, uh, seeing as believing and photos are one thing, but videos another. And, uh, I think we started, you know, putting video on YouTube when YouTube just started and it was just collecting just the, the crazy footage of, you know, birds landing and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, it kind of took off from there, but you know, when, I guess when I, I started this business, I actually started with Daryl Stanley um, years ago 
And um, it was almost one of those ones where it was, it was a ground up scratch business. And back in those days, everybody was doing travel trade shows and stuff like that. And uh, we just, we couldn't afford it. So that's kind of, and it was at that time where the internet was really taken off. And um, I think I stayed up every night for five years, six years, just submitting or, you know, our content kind of thing online to directories and just any free advertising you could do. So it was like online marketing when really didn't know we were online marketing way back then. And that was like 19, I think 99, 2000 in there. And uh, it's just kind of taken off from there, but you know, the videos definitely have gotten better. And it's just, it's one of those ones where I guess for us, we just want to want to show what we have, you know, not oversell it, not undersell it, but just kind of show what you got. And it's, it's kind of gone from there. And, and I don't know, the marketing part of the business is a lot of fun. It's just, you're trying to, trying to capture what you have and, uh, and record it, put it out there and hopefully people like what you got. Well, before yeah. I, I, I went on with this interview with you, Paul, I went through your website again. And the thing that really impressed me is, uh, you know, you had the, you had the shots of the, everybody out in the field, but you also did you walking around the camp. This is the mud room. This is the cabins. This is where the skeet range is. This is what to expect. Like you, you walk people through the whole experience of what it means coming to Birdtail Waterfall. Yeah, I, I have always, I think it's important, you know, I mean, it's, I know when you travel to hunt and fish or, or just even, you know, other kind, kinds of travel, um, it's always nice to know what you're getting yourself into. And for us, it's sometimes that you can see it with some, some of our guests where it's almost like a traveler's anxiety. So you almost want to just, okay, this is where you're going to be. This is your bed. This is everything. And then you really don't want to take away from the, from the hunting, you know, somebody thinking, okay, well, what are we doing the next part of the day or having all these questions? If, if all those questions can be answered before, then they can actually really engage in what we're doing and, and taking the information and the landscape and our, the way we do things, which may not be, you know, similar to the way they do it. You know, if somebody from Southern US, well, they're not really hunting dry barley fields the way we do. So then they can actually engage more in the hunt, we can just show them how we do it and what it takes to get these kind of hunts. So if I can answer all the questions before everybody comes up, I find that there's more focus on, on the hunt and, and the experience of it kind of thing. So I don't know. I think it's, and you can actually see it when people come up, they're more relaxed. They kind of, they know exactly the way the whole day is going to go down. So those videos, I've, you know, they're actually very easy to do because you don't have to wait on mother nature to work for you. But it's actually, it's probably one of our biggest things that I feel good about when somebody comes up because they're already 100% schooled on, on what we're going to do. So we spent a lot of time together and, and one of the most fascinating stories you ever told me is the number of big lake trout that you've caught in your career. Like, tell people about that. This is unbelievable. Like over 60 pounds? Yeah. Yeah, I was lucky to be in a, well be in the boat with, with a couple of good friends of mine from Texas and we landed, landed a 70. And so the IGFA world record, I think is still at 72. So we we're two pounds off, but, uh, where yeah, was I used that to to, what's that? Where was that? No, it was up on Great Bear Lake. Um, so I used to guide for plumbers, Arctic lodges. And I was, um, I was up on the great, they have two lakes that they work. And, uh, I was up on Great Bear Lake and, uh, 
we we caught one of those magical days it was a fly-in and ice moving around it was all these elements to to deal with but we found basically a bay full of giant fish and we caught them all basically under six foot of water so we got a whole bunch in the 60s 50s 40s and it was the same day that we caught that 70 pounder but yeah it's that was that's guiding though like you know i mean you you get to have all your you put in your time to get those days kind of thing and i was able to see it it was just unbelievable never forget it incredible lake to fish just world record lake yeah it was good all right so what is it uh, what is it to, um, to be in the outdoor industry um it, it i think it's an industry that a lot of people don't understand i can certainly i, I didn't understand it when i was when i first got into it um I, a lot of people ask me so what do you do in the winter and i kind of laugh and you know where it's it's i get it, that question all the time too <laughs> yeah or it's you know, I mean, it, I guess it's a good thing that people are asking that, that, you know, it, it's maybe it looks easier, looks smooth. Maybe that's, you know, mission accomplished kind of thing. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those jobs where a lot of your work does not get noticed and, you know, to have a smooth day or a smooth transition, um, you know, between your days is takes a lot, a lot of preparation. And that's to me where, you know, I mean, the guiding that I did were, you could see the operators that really paid attention to the details. That's where, you know, where they had a lot of success or continue to have a lot of success in their businesses. And it's just, it's the small, easy stuff that, that I think a lot of, um, I think, I think a lot of people overlook, but when you have a guest coming up, that's what they see. So it's, it's one of those ones where those, those fine details take a lot of time. And that's what we're doing in the winter, just going constantly going over equipment and communicating and, and making sure everything's planned and just completely ripple free kind of thing. And I think that's, that's, that's a big part of this job. A big part of this industry is, you know, like is the planning, the forethought, and then the what ifs you got to plan for every, what if that, that could possibly happen. And that's purchasing and that's making sure you have doubles and triples of everything because if something goes sour on you, you got to be able to, to correct it very quickly and not impacting their trip. Cause they may only have, you know, a three-day trip or a six-day trip and you're in the middle of nowhere, well, you know, I mean, your homework will make that trip successful when things do go sour. And I think that's a big, big part of this industry. And I think a lot of people really don't understand the, the volume of preparation that it, it takes um, to make sure that there isn't any ripples in the trip, which uh, they're always there, but you just got to make sure you're, you're on top of them. But it's the outfitting lodge industry is, is, it's a different animal. It's, it's not easy. There's a bazillion variables. If I knew, if I knew the volume of variables that were involved in this, I probably would have thought twice, you know what I mean? But I, I enjoy them. Um, but definitely it's, it's a challenge and, you know, COVID and whatnot, it's just, you know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta try to persevere and weather these things. And it's, it's being able to constantly change and pivot and just trying to, uh, uh, I guess, have a strategy outside of your original strategy is kind of what it really comes down to. Plan B. <laughs> plan B. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Quick plan B, but it, it's a great industry to be in. It's, it's, um, it's a lot of fun. So Paul, one of the questions I wanted to ask you when you, when you, when you guided it for a couple of good operations, like Daryl and then Chummy, 
yeah. you must have learned about customer satisfaction, right? It must have helped. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was one of my biggest takeaways from, I guess, guiding for so long for so many different operators. Because I go from, you know, we, whatever, do spring bear, we fly in and, you know, first ice. And then my last part of my season would be whitetail and, you know, end of November kind of thing. So I was able to guide for a lot of different people. And um, you just see there were so many positive points in everybody's business. And I was able to, you know, as a guide, you're kind of, sometimes you're, you're low end of the operation. Sometimes you're on the high end of the operation. So it's, you kind of see how every business just kind of worked. And then, you know, for bird tailors, I just, you know, I mean, I guess I'm a guide at heart and I remembered everything that I guess these different operations kind of allowed me or didn't allow me and try to, I guess, take all the positives and put it into bird tail. But, you know, I mean, I think that was, that's probably my biggest advantage, you know, for this business is, is, you know, guiding for so many years and, uh, you know, just kind of seeing what people need, what people want and, and what worked for me as a guide and what didn't work for me as a guide, you know, like take plumbers, for example, like I wanted to catch big fish. That's all I wanted to do. And it didn't take very long before my managers were like, okay, if you don't want to catch a lot of fish, that's the guy. Cause he's all he's doing is going after big fish. So you, you take these operations and they kind of, they ended up tailoring more of the, the hunting and fishing trips to, you know, to the guides. And I kind of learned who I was when I was out there and bird tail is, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's a mirror of your personality. So for, for bird tail, it's, it's, you know, I mean, I, I guess I have a high, um, high expectation of myself and high expectations when I travel. So my business is kind of more, I want to make sure we have all the amenities where everything's, everything's covered. There is no flaws, you know, stuff that could be, um, could be looked after before arrival or something like that, and then go as hard as you can go when you get the chance to. So it's, you know, at the lodge, I, I, you know, we have all the equipment, unlimited fuel, land access, all these different things. So when the guides show up in the fall, it's, we kind of, you know, joke, it's kind of like Disneyland. It's just, it's made to go have the really a, a full, perfect experience guiding. And at the end, at the end result is being able to have these world-class hunts. So basically no limitations is kind of what it's ended up being. But I learned that through my guiding career tour is, you know, if, if you do want that world-class experience or hunt or opportunity, there really can't be a lot of limitations on your, on your staff. And that's really been my motto since day one. And you take that, that 70 pound lake trout that only happened because there was, you know, there wasn't any limitations put on, on me that day. Okay. You do what you got to do. And I had a plane, I had boats, I had motors, I had gas. And it was all one thought. It's like, okay, that bay has to produce big fish with this wind. It's that time of year, ice moving in, there's inflow, shallow black sand to, you know, like a yellow sand. Sure enough, the fish were there. And it was probably one of the best days that lake has ever seen. And it's in, you know, tribute to operations like that, that allow guides to do what, what they're good at. And then the end result is, you know, amazing experiences forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I like about you, Paul, is you're you're willing to share your knowledge and your information, not only about how to run an operation successfully, but how to market successfully. Let's talk about that. You uh, were the uh, uh, the um, president of the Manitoba Lodge and Outfitters for ten years, 
And, yeah. you know, you're passionate about the outdoor industry and what's going on with it and how, how we can make it better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of opportunity. You know, I mean, I, I guess, I think the power is in strength, you know, the power is in numbers. And I think the more everybody kind of works together, the more the industry will benefit. Um, and it's funny, like I used to years ago, you know, between my, my guiding season, I ended up uh, doing trade shows actually for a taxidermist. And uh, it was basically just to encourage operators to use, you know, that ta- taxidermist's services. So I would, you know, I would talk to a lot of these operators at the sports shows and um, it was always, it was always very interesting to see, I guess their, you know, how they're marketing and, and, and what the residual of the, the sports show is, but it's actually to see the, the competitiveness within the operators. And I always used to think, well, I'm like, well, it's like the brother or sisterhood kind of thing. And I'm like, I don't understand the, the, the fierce competition because we all have something a little different. You know I mean? There's no two lodge or operation the exact same. Like we, if we actually stayed together, we'd be able to on a, this more, have more advocacy or lobby for the industry. So there's less restrictions and all these things if we actually did work together. And I think, you know, over time, especially in the last 25 years, it's, it's completely changed. And I think this, you know, there's a bit of a bit of a change of guard, but um, but not a lot. But I think that it's just I think people are really starting to understand that that we do need to work together because the the hurdles that we have to overcome as operators, you know, with, with Mother Nature, she throws her wild cards at us every year. But a lot of it is 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 working with government and the health department and Office of Drinking Water insurance companies, all these different things where if we are working together, we will, we will get the things corrected that we need corrected to be able to be successful and grow the industry and then put more emphasis on, on the resources. Cause without strong resources, managed resources, you know, it, it's tough to do what we, we do. And I think that's really, it's come full circle in the last for sure 10 years. Um, really happy to see it. And, you know, I think we're probably sitting the best we've ever sat for having good relationship with government and all these other different departments. Um, because I think that we've really, the industry has come together as one. And I think the competition is, there's competition for business, but I don't think there's competition between businesses. And I think that's a big difference. And that's, that's what I'm, you know, I've, I guess as president for 10 years, um, really did see that change, you know, firsthand because you're, you're communicating, communicating with all the operators quite often about different issues. And you could see that it was really, there was a big change from year one to last to last year when I stepped down, which is fantastic, which I don't know. I, I don't think I could have predicted that 20 years ago, but it's definitely here. I think it's, everybody's just wishing for everyone else's success, especially throughout this COVID thing. Like this is, I guess the alignment of everyone is just, is so tight right now because it's, it's pretty scary times for this industry. Yeah, that's for sure. And I like to go back 40 years because I remember my first time that I, I met Al Ender. It was in a fishing tournament on uh, Tall Timber on the Winnipeg River. And uh, he, he took notice of who I was. I 
I had a plain Jane boat and my fish were hanging on a stringer back in the day. And um, he said, wow, nice catch. And, and he came over and talked to me after the tournament. And what I learned from Al and Ron and, and the guys at Linder Media and in Fisherman was, hey, we're in this together. It's a big industry. If we work together, we will be successful. And so Al would call me up random times and say, hey, you know, what's going on? Like, let's do something together. Like, do you want to come down to camp fish and stuff like that? And, and that's the thing that I really appreciate you about you, Paul, is that you have this attitude that, yeah, let's work together. What do you mean you don't, you want to stick your head in the sand, man? Like, it, it doesn't work that way. Like, yeah. let's, let's get on with it. Let's everybody get together and, and, and advocate for the resource. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, even guiding fishing, it was when I first started, everybody was hiding their spots and I just couldn't comprehend it. Cause I had never guided fishing before. I just couldn't comprehend why are you hiding your spots? It's a giant lake. All these guests are really important to all of us. Cause if, yeah. if you don't have a good experience, that means who we're working for is not going to do well the following year. And things may peter out till they, they're not there. So we got to work together and, you know, as you, you know, I guess, get into the outfitting industry, the lodging industry, it's identical. You know, I mean, you want everybody to have a positive experience and, and be successful. And, and with, you know, with the outfitting industry, lodges, it, it is identical. You know, we're all dealing with transport Canada. Like, it, it's all the same issues. And if, if one person's, you know, reacting, everybody else isn't kind of waiting for the next, doesn't work. So, yeah, it's, it's come full circle, Don. It really has. And it's so good to see. And even just the way, way government, you know, all the departments are, are now working with us. You know, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say that they're working against us, which they really were for a lot of years. And I think it's probably, you know, due to how we're, I guess, you know, communicating with them and, and as, as, as a, I guess, as a, as a, you know, one entity, which a lot of us are, you know, part of our, associations and federations and stuff like that so it's it's i guess good message messaging and good communication is, is what's really helping let's talk a little bit about travel manitoba you are on the board for three years you introduced yeah. introduced the manitoba master hunting program you were instrumental in getting that put yeah. on board um back in the day when i was uh, my brief time with travel manitoba i was outdoor product manager and we did uh, the master angler awards program which is by far the best program in North America and the world is without a doubt. Now, yeah. Ryan Suffren, who guides for you, uh, Tribal Manitoba hired him as, uh, you know, you're kind of their, uh, what, what's his official title? Marketing the hunt and, uh, consultant. The hunt fish consultant. Yeah. yeah. And, and the Hunt Fish Manitoba brand is just exploded because yeah. we're thinking outside the box and you had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long story. It's a, I know you can't you can't cover it that, that short period of time. Cover it. It's a good one, but yeah, it's you know, I mean, I I think at the end of the day, it, you know, when you got a marketing mind, it, it's you know, we market the operators market almost at a fifty thousand foot level. You need that hundred thousand foot level to be, you know accurate strong influential and it just it just wasn't enough and uh yeah it just came down to select few kind of thing to do okay we need we need that top line awareness and 
travel Manitoba, like my hat is off to them. Very open-minded when it came down to it. Um, I guess just kind of trying to get a change, I guess, with, with their, with the marketing of the hunt fish. Um, it, it was, it was definitely lacking and they, they basically, they were very open-minded to the, to the, I guess, to the thought. I think that the hunt fish brand totally the build of that and the acceptance of it, you know, of, of the hunt fish community is, has been, um, it kind of, it's kind of good litmus test of what's really going on. And I think social media probably has a big part of it, but it's a lot of people are coming together kind of thing. And, you know, I mean, if, if there's more awareness of, you know, obviously the hunt fish and all these different things, like, you know, having an economic impact study and, and showing the, I guess the, I guess the value of the hunt, hunting and fishing in Manitoba is, you know, it's just shy of a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, if, if you have good awareness, you know, I mean, obviously of, of hunt fish and the province is, is doing well, obviously off of the, off the, off hunting and fishing in Manitoba, you know, I mean, the whole back in the day, the objective of building, you know, a really good hunt fish brand was, was to be able to put more focus on resource management and that is coming. So it's, it, it, it was a right move to start at that hundred thousand foot level of, you know, having awareness, um, and then these economic impact studies. And then now we're getting, you know, our government, there's current government, which is, has been fantastic to work with. They're actually investing more in, into resource management and enforcement, all these different things. So it's been, it's been very good, but it's, it's been a long build with, with one goal. And that was just basically create more awareness of how, how good we have it, but how much our resources do need attention because previous governments were constantly just cutting the budget more and more and we were losing quickly. So, you know, I mean, it's hunt fish, travel Manitoba, just instrumental in what we're, what's going on today. Like just absolutely fantastic. There's a lot of good decisions that were made and having the open mindedness, mindedness was, was key. And that's right. And, and working together has, has been huge. Both you and I sit on the Lake Winnipeg, Lake Winnipeg stakeholder group. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we got a bunch of changes made on the, the management of Lake Winnipeg. Um, lots of changes on the hunting side of things. Uh, the, the fisheries and wildlife enhancement fund got a, dedicated trust and um, so you're right Paul things are really on the up and up here in Manitoba and not a moment uh, too not a moment too soon by the way because of the huge increase in demand on the resource everybody's staying at home because of COVID license sales are up dramatically uh, both on the hunt and fish side there's more people out in the field and so um, we need to look after it right 100 percent 100 percent and it and it's there it's you know, I mean, I guess all things happen for a reason, but, you know, you can you look back 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, I mean, it's people advocating for better resource management, proper resource management, you know, I mean, everything, you know, everything, I guess, helps as you go through the stages of different governments and whatnot. But, you know, the timing was, I think, 100% right. And right now we have a whole bunch of stars lined up and they're doing their thing and they're kind of the unsung heroes who are we're almost finishing what was started a long time ago by a lot of other people. So it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you, I guess for me, you know, they, 
10 years of, of president of a, of a lodge association, I, I know the battles that we went through and you kind of, you're seeing the results now. And it's where it's, it's a real, it's a feel good thing. So when I'm, you know, whatever, doing my thing throughout this whole COVID thing and going coyote hunting or wolf hunting or fishing and that, a lot of times I just sit there and I think about it and do the, huh, little did I know at that time that it, you know, those extra efforts that, you know, people were putting in and, or I was doing as president, that you would see the result now and probably at the most critical time, you know, Lake, Lake Winnipeg is a, is a, it's a giant topic. And, you know, I mean, it's little did you know at that time what the results would be. And it's right now it's, it's, it's the right time for it to have its attention. It is a giant, giant product for the province. Well, let's talk a little bit about the impact that uh, the pandemics had on the outfitting industry. Obviously, you lost your whole year because yeah. of travel. Most of your customers are from the U.S. Uh, and, or Eastern Canada. They couldn't come. They had to, would have to self-isolate for two weeks. So a lot of them went to Saskatchewan and Alberta that didn't have those regulations. Uh, obviously, the borders closed, so that's it. But things are looking up. Uh, you know, we've got vaccinations on the way. We've got rapid testing. So kind of look in your crystal ball and tell me what might happen you think to your waterfall operation as far as booking for the fall i i pray we get up going by the fall um i worry about the spring bear operators i also worry about the fly-in fishing guys um i think ice fishing the ice fishing operators i don't think they're i don't think they're going to get their season which they actually lost the, you know, the big chunk of their season last year, which is March, and they're going to get it again. So I guess, you know, it's one thing losing one season, which which we have lost. It's another thing losing two seasons. Um, you know, for myself, I'm actually, my head's not there for us in the fall. I'm just, for me, I'm just so concerned about everyone else. It's it's hard to, hard to watch it, hard to hear it. You know, I'm still on the board of the Lodge Association, so we're doing our calls and getting our updates and that. And I'm on a couple of other committees and it's, it is, it's hard to watch this go down because you have a whole bunch of operators in the province that are actually champions, great businesses. They know the industry, they get great returns to their customers. Um, but there's, there's, there's chance of them being pushed out of business due to this. You know, I mean, it's, I guess it's always, it's emotional because you, you get attached to everyone else and it's, it's hard to watch this go down. Um, I pray that, you know, our, our federal tourism, you know, law advocacy body is, well, I guess, make some ground on, you know, hopefully saving this industry. If, if it does go down to two years of, you know, people losing two, two full seasons, we will lose a lot of operators. And it's one of those ones where, you know, we were having conversations of this, you know, I'd say probably in June, you know, it's, do you love them and love them or leave them? And it's kind of one of those ones where how long will it take to to build back the operators that we have right now you know because once they're gone they're gone mm -hmm. so to, to get these the volume of i guess champion operators that we have right now i think it would take a long time 10 plus years would be my guess um that's kind of that's that's the scary part about this it's not an easy industry at all you do have to you have to be you have to be fairly aggressive and you have to be fairly passive and you gotta you gotta be a jack of all trades to marketing to accounting to whatever fixing a vehicle a small engine to 
public relations, knowing to, to suck it up when, when not to suck it up and, and kind of persevere through times like this. But this one's a little different, like the, the 2008, 2009 recession, 9-11, it's almost every 10 years we get hit with something. But there's never been the, like the top has never been completely closed, which is really what this is. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm definitely fearful for this industry. I think government needs to step in um, like they have with other industries. And I just, I haven't heard, I haven't seen it, haven't heard of it yet. Um, and it, what was scary was, you know, I mean, businesses were doing very well. So it's, you have these, these businesses that were maybe investing in, in their businesses that are expanding or maybe purchasing, you know, a whole fleet of new motors and boats or, you know, equipment and whatnot. And then all of a sudden cut your, and you're stopped. And well, how do you recover with that? you know, when that happens with, when you have, you know, volumes of payments and whatnot. So it's, it's one of those ones and it's, it's, it's scary to watch, but I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what's going to happen with the fall. I, I'm optimistic for us, but in a way I don't want to be optimistic for us because I'm watching all my brothers and sisters just get crushed right now, especially the ice fishing people. And then the spring bear operators, I, I just, I don't see it, but I don't know. Scary times, but we'll see what happens okay well let's uh i guess we're gonna hope for the best and uh yeah it has been it's been i mean i know a lot of the operators i've been in the business for 40 yeah. years i've been to most of their operations and uh i mean some were lucky that they were a drive to operation in the south they were able to uh you know have have a good year but as far as the northern pardon me as far as the northern operators and the remote flying places it's it's been a tough year um Anyway, it's a kind of a negative note to end on, Paul, but uh, I certainly want to thank you coming on the show and uh, keep up the great work, uh, all that you do. I mean, you've got a list here that you supplied your biography. You're on a, you have been on about 30 different committees across Canada and uh, you can, you continue to work, work hard for the resource and tell people to stick together and, and work together. And we appreciate all you do. Uh, thanks, Don. It's, it's been a real pleasure to be on here talking with you. This is pretty cool. All right. Thanks, my friend. Talk soon. Thanks for tuning in. Visit hookedmagazine.com to subscribe to The Complete Angler and never miss an episode.